Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for joining us for today's podcast from Dublin First Baptist Church in Dublin, North Carolina. We hope you'll be encouraged today as you listen to our message. For more information, please visit our website at www.dublinfbc.org. That's www.dublinfbc.org. Now let's join the congregation of Dublin First Baptist as we listen to the preaching of God's Word. Uh, Psalm 99. We're, we're about to get into triple digits here, and it has taken us pretty near three years uh, or so. Uh, there's no superscript for this psalm, but it would be easy to write one about its main theme. Psalm 99 is clearly a royal or, or a kingship song. It's the last of a series of them. Psalm 93 was one. Psalm 97 was one. Psalm 99 is one. And we're invited here in Psalm 99 to worship the sovereign Lord of the universe, our holy King, the King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. And because it belongs to the royal or kingship genre of Psalms, it of course uh, celebrates and it prophetically announces the coming millennial reign of Jesus Christ here on earth at his second coming. But that does not mean that its content or the truth that's here is something that's only applicable or only relevant to the future. Um, just to give us hope of what things will be like one day when Jesus comes back and reigns. That's true. But um, Psalm 99 is applicable and relevant to each one of us here tonight because Christ is king. Amen. Jesus Christ is king. Uh, He is currently on his throne in heaven, and he's worthy of our praise and our faith tonight. So let's read about what our holy king is like and who we are in him as God reveals him to us in Psalm 99. It says, The Lord reigneth, let the people tremble. He sitteth between the cherubims, let the earth be moved. The Lord is great in Zion, and he is high above all people. Let them praise thy great and terrible name, for it is holy. The king's strength also loveth judgment. Thou dost establish equity. Thou executest judgment and righteousness in Jacob. So exalt ye the Lord our God and worship at his footstool, for he is holy. Moses and Aaron among his priests and Samuel among them that call upon his name, they called upon the Lord and he answered them. He spake unto them in the cloudy pillar, And they kept his testimonies and the ordinance that he gave them. Thou answeredest them, O Lord our God. Thou wast the God that forgavest them, though thou tookest vengeance on their inventions. So exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy hill. For the Lord our God is holy. Let's pray before we study this. Father, we come to this song that you've given to us. Uh, and we do look forward to that day when uh, Jesus Christ returns and with us and we, we reign with him. And um, definitely that is what this song is talking about. But we also know it's, it's calling us back to when you have always been king. When you were king of kings in the Old Testament. Um, there's references here about that. And we know that you are on the throne today. That, that when you died on that cross and you went in that tomb, you didn't stay there, but you ascended into heaven and, and you reigned from there. And you uh, reign in the hearts of your church. So Lord, I pray that through this announcement of your kingship, we would submit to you joyfully as your subjects. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first thing that's revealed about our holy king is his holy character. Verses 1 through 3, it's all about who 
he is, who our holy king is. And Psalm 99 begins in verse 1, just as Psalm 93 did, Psalm 97 did, those other kingship or royal psalms. It says, the Lord reigneth. The Lord reigneth. Uh, so that's the third time now that we're being told to consider uh, the fact that the Lord reigns. And whenever something's repeated three times, especially in the Bible, that's something we're called to pay attention to. It's a truth that's being emphasized by God so that we might apply it to our way of thinking and our way of living. And this is what he wants us to know. The Lord reigneth. We're now told that three times. Are you glad to be reminded of that this evening? That, that your life is not a series of happenstance occurrences. Your life is not the result of, of blind fate. No, the sovereign, omnipotent, gracious, and holy king of the universe, he reigns. He's sovereign over every aspect of our lives. He's in complete control. There's not a molecule that can move or operate outside of his power, outside of his permission. And so for me, in a world where the vast majority of our world leaders are often found severely lacking, what a comfort to be reminded of his holy character, that our holy king reigns. This is who he is, the Lord who reigns. And then we're told what should be the human response to this revelation of his reign. It says, let the people tremble. I don't know a whole lot that that goes on a whole lot anymore. People trembling at that fact. Uh, whenever I hear that rather rare word that's used in the Bible, tremble, my mind, of course, goes to that passage in James chapter 2, verse 19, where we are told that even the demons believe in God and they, they tremble as a result. So... How terribly sad that the human response and sometimes even the Christian response to the reality of our holy king reigning, it so rarely results in a trembling response by us. Now, what does that mean, though, to tremble? It means to be moved, powerfully moved in our emotions. And it's true <laughs> uh, that at least compared to maybe some other Christian denominations, we as Baptists can be a little stoic, Right? At times, uh, we might not always be outwardly powerfully moved in our emotions. Um, but, but more than simple emotional movement is necessary here. God wants more and God, he deserves more. Um, we ought to be moved in our emotions when we learn of the holy character of King Jesus like we do here in Psalm 99. But that emotional movement also needs to result in, in an altered posture, and practice in our lives, a posture of bowing before our holy king who reigns, and a practice of living in joyful submission to our holy king who reigns. And then verse 1 continues by describing our holy king as he's dwelling between uh, cherubims and, and the earth moving as a result. And so we're mentally drawn back to the Old Testament and the Ark of the Covenant, uh, where the manifestation of God's glory and his presence among men dwelt between the cherubim over the mercy seat in the ark. And we'll talk more of this in a little bit here as we move along in Psalm 99. And verse 2, it teaches us that the Lord is great in Zion. He is high above all the people. So especially when we come across the word uh, or concept of Zion uh, or Jerusalem in the Psalms, uh, there is a literal application, but there's also a figurative one. 
Um, both of them are vital and meaning to you and I. Uh, literally, the one true God, our holy King, the Lord, literally, he is great in Zion, in Jerusalem. That is where he was worshipped as David penned this song. That's where his people came together uh, to exalt him. But in a figurative sense, Zion is also a picture, not just of a place, but of a people, God's people. And that was true then, and it's true now. And I would hope that is true for us tonight as we gather together here to exalt him. Um, is he great in and among his people? To each one of us joined here together tonight at, as Dublin First Baptist Church, is he great in your lives? He is. <laughs> but, but is that how you esteem him? Is he great in how you think? Is he great uh, in what you talk about? Has he been the topic of your conversation at all today? Is he great in how you live? Is the reality that we're just told here that the Lord is great among his people, is that the testimony of your life and your lifestyle? Is that high above? Is he high above all other people in your life? Is he high above all other things in your life? If not, then something needs to move. Uh, things need to be reevaluated. They need to be realigned with the reality that our holy king reigneth. And he is great. And he is high above all. And when we will do this, well then that's how we respond to the command here in verse 3 about the holy character of our holy king. We are to praise his great and terrible name for it is holy. And not just with our lips, but with our lives and our posture and our practice, praising his holy name. Uh, before we move on, we need to address what God means by praising his holy name. What does it mean that his name is holy and that we're supposed to praise it? Uh, the concept of God's name in the Bible is talking about his divine nature, his personhood, his reputation, or, or what I have termed it here in these first three verses, his character. That's what it means to praise his holy name. That's what his name means. And it's modified here by the adjective holy. And whenever we hear or whenever we read that word, we probably think of uh, holy meaning without sin. That's totally true. He's perfect without sin. But it does mean much more than that. It means to be set apart. And so his name and his character and his personhood and his perfection, it's set apart because he's exclusively unique. Is anything or anyone, is anything or anyone like our holy king? No. <laughs> He's holy. He's without sin. He's the creator. Everything else. <laughs> Creation. He is eternal. Everything, everyone else has a beginning and has an end. He's totally, exclusively unique. He's set apart and thus he's worthy of our praise and our worship and our faith. From our lips, from our lives, lived in joyful submission to him. And verses 4 and 5, they talk about his holy conduct. His holy conduct. This is about uh, what he's done and what he does, even now, and what he's promised to do. And here's one place I, I prefer modern English translations over the King James. Love the King James. Uh, and that's because in verse 4, most of them capitalize the word king. In verses 4 and 5, they're not talking about David. <laughs> they're not talking about any other human king. They refer to the holy conduct that, that flows from the holy character of our holy King Jesus Christ. Like his character, the conduct of our King Jesus, it is holy too. His conduct is described as his strength in verse 4. Our holy king loves judgment, literally justice. He loves 
justice. And he establishes equity. And he executes or, or he dispenses justice and righteousness in Jacob. So he loves, he establishes, he executes. Those are all verbs. Those are all action words describing his holy conduct. Specifically toward us. Because it says in Jacob. Meaning to his people. Even us, his people now. And all of his conduct is holy. We live in a world where we're led by people who don't. <laughs> they don't always love justice. We're constantly coming in contact with, with people who frequently destroy the foundations of equality and where justice and righteousness, they're not always dispensed. And truth be told, in the world we're currently living in, injustice and unrighteousness. They've gone from being tolerated, now they're legislated, they've become law and, and celebrated. But our holy king's conduct is different. He is holy and how he deals with us is different. As subjects under his reign, we, we are to think and act differently too. We are to reflect his character. We're to reflect his conduct in a world where rebellion to all of this is the norm. Because we're part of his kingdom. We're not part of the kingdom of this world. Look at verse 5. God is good, amen? And after verse 4 reminds us of the holy conduct of our holy king, verse 5, it invites us to respond in praise to it. It says, exalt ye the Lord our God and worship at his footstool for he is holy. Did you get that? Verse 3, it closed that section about his holy character and it invited us to praise him because his name is holy. And here in verse 5, it closes a section about his holy conduct and it invites us to exalt Christ and to worship Christ because he is holy. There's one little phrase here in verse 5 that's important to draw our attention to because it tells us what and where to worship in response to what our holy king has done and is doing and will do. What does it say? We are to worship at his footstool. But what is God talking about there? I don't even have a footstool anymore at home. We got rid of it. Krista got this couch that has a footstool connected to it. I push a button it goes... Let's talk about footstool. Well, that term footstool is used in God's word to refer to the earth. It's called, the earth is called his footstool in scripture. Uh, his temple in Jerusalem in scripture is referred to as his footstool. But, but more specifically, and what I believe God is drawing our attention to here, it's used to refer to the Ark of the Covenant. Now, that's actually what David called uh, the Ark of the Covenant in 1 Chronicles 2.28. He called it God's footstool. <clears throat> well, how can we worship there? Where is it? I don't know. Uh, I saw it at the end of Indiana Jones. It got put in a box and put in some, I, I don't know. So, uh, but let me ask you this. What did it symbolize? What did it symbolize? What, what was it a type of? What was it an Old Testament figure of a New Testament reality of? The person and work of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, it had that lid. It's called the mercy seat between those cherubims that verse 1 talked about. And um, the high priest would take the blood of the sacrifice and he'd sprinkle it there to make atonement for the sins of God's people. And so there's no greater example of the holy conduct of our holy king than the salvation that's ours through who Jesus is and what he has done for us. I mean, is there any greater reason uh, to exalt him and, and to worship him than that our king came to live among us 
He came to die for us and to rise from the grave for us, taking the sting out of the grave, giving us victory over death through faith in Christ. That, that's what we are to worship, who God is for us in Jesus Christ, especially in the salvation that's ours by God's grace through faith in him. And then finally, in verses 6 through 9, it refers to his holy church. This is about those who are his. And I realize that the examples given in verse 6, um, they're not individuals who we would theologically place as part of the church. I'm dispensational. I'm not trying to combine New Testament believers and Old Testament believers. Uh, I know there's differences. God talks here about Moses and Aaron and Samuel. These are heroes of the faith. who They live their lives in worship of God. Uh, they live their lives longing for the day when the promise would be fulfilled. Looking forward to it. You and I, we look back to Jesus Christ. And what do verses 6 and 7 say that they did and that God did? Well, they called upon the Lord. <laughs> and what did God do? He answered them. Our holy king spoke to them in the cloudy pillar. And what did they do in response? They kept his testimonies and the ordinance that he gave them. So uh, whether it was God's covenant people way back then or whether it's God's covenant people today, tonight, here, Dublin First Baptist Church, his holy church, <clears throat> what are we to do? We're to call on the Lord in faith, just like they did. And what will he do? He will answer us, just like he did for them. He spoke to them. Does he speak to us? Yeah. They had a cloudy pillar. You know what you and I have? We have a complete picture to lead us. And just like them, you and I as God's covenant people now, as his holy church, we're to keep his testimonies, his commands, his instructions, his statutes, the ordinance our holy king gave us. We're to call on God in faith. We are to obey in faith whatever his word tells us to do. Let's look at verse 8. Again, we are reminded that we worship a holy king and he reveals himself and he reveals his will to us and he answers us. But we're also reminded in verse 8 that he is a God that forgives us. Though he takes vengeance on our inventions. So when it says our holy king is a God that forgave us them, uh, I, I like this. In the Hebrew, it's literally a name for God. Oh, El Nasa. The God who forgives. Uh, you know, kind of like Jehovah Jireh or uh, El Shaddai or, or any of those other names uh, for God that we find in Scripture. El Nasa, the God who forgives. That's a beautiful name for him in his holy church, isn't it? Aren't you glad that he's a God who forgives? Will you call him to, tonight? Call him that tonight with me. El Nasa. Say it. El Nasa. Because he's a God who forgives. It's a gracious God. In the end of verse 8, <clears throat> it does remind us that when he forgives, <laughs> it doesn't always mean that our sin is without consequences, uh, even painful ones sometimes. Uh, God forgave King David for adultery and for murder, but were there consequences that he and his family and even the nation had to endure as a result of his sin? Yeah, no doubt. And I believe that uh, the truth that's postulated here for us in this last phrase of verse 8. <clears throat> that's what it's, it's talking about. Uh, but so is the reminder that God always took vengeance on our inventions. He always has. Um, inventions means, literally means evil deeds, our sins. 
he always takes vengeance on them when he forgives. Because he's holy, he has to. <laughs> uh, have there been times in your life when you have been forgiven, but you did not experience the consequences of your sin? I, that's me. I'd have to say the vast majority of the time when I've confessed my sin to God, I definitely didn't experience the full consequences of my sin. But do you know why? Not because God overlooked my sin. He can't, because he's holy. Not because he just let it slide. He can't, he's holy. He, he did take vengeance on my inventions, on my evil needs, by the wrath that was poured out on Jesus Christ on the cross. He bore the full vengeance of God for my sin and, and for your sin. He bore my guilt and shame, and he suffered the vengeance for my inventions and yours, my evil deeds and yours, for all of those who've trusted Christ by faith. God's grace, God's mercy, uh, it does not necessarily mean that we're exempt from all the consequences of sin, but praise the Lord, it does take care of that ultimate consequence of sin, death and separation from God. That's what his blood can do. That's what his grace can do. That's what God did for us in Jesus Christ. So we come to verse 9. And just like verse 3 and verse 6, 5, I'm sorry, we have a third invitation. We have a third invitation here to worship our holy king as his holy church. It says, exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy hill for the Lord our God is holy. Well, where's his holy hill? So that we can obey this command. Again, literally, it's the temple mount in Jerusalem. Now, don't worry. You don't have to go home tonight and book a flight on LL Airlines to make it to the Wailing Wall tomorrow to obey this command. One day at Christ's second coming, um, we will come with him. <laughs> and all the world at that point. And we will worship him at his holy hill right here. We will. Um, I've always wanted to go to Israel, but like I, I know I'm going one day, so I'm not in any big hurry. We'll, we'll be there. Um, but because Zion is also a picture of God's people, his holy church, um, and in obedience to what God commands in Hebrews 10.23, you're doing it. You're obeying this command right now. Every single one of you who's here this evening those who might be watching. Uh, we don't have to wait. We're doing it right now. When you and I come together to, to worship uh, our holy king, together as his holy church, we're living in obedience to God's command here in verse 9. We're worshiping at his holy hill. This is his holy hill. And um, in obedience to what he commands in Hebrews 10, 23, we need to be doing this all the more while we await that day when we get to go there for real, in person, uh, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together. As a manner of some, not you, not me, not us, but we're to exhort one another, and so much the more as we see the day approaching. That's what it says there. And what day? The day of Christ's return. The day when we will all be at his literal holy hill, worshiping our holy king together. Until then, We've got this. Until then, we do this. I'm sure you've noticed, but, but three times in Psalm 99, we were invited to worship our holy king. Uh, and three different times, he has revealed himself to us as holy here in Psalm 99. Did you know that God's word calls him holy more than anything else? More than anything else. It calls him holy. 
more than sovereign, more than just, more than gracious or, or merciful or, or loving, holy. And he is holy, amen? He's holy. Uh, and it's because he is holy, because he's uniquely set apart, and he's not like anything or anyone else, that he is also sovereign and just and gracious and merciful and loving and everything else that's true about God. All those character qualities, they flow out of his holiness. And because he's holy, he expects his church to be holy too. Uh, we cannot rightly reflect who he is or, or what he does if we're not. And, and that's what you and I being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, our holy king, that's what it's all about. Um, that's what we're to be doing every single day of our lives, growing in holiness as God's Holy Spirit wields God's word and, and pairs away anything unholy in our lives. I'm going to make a little comment here, just one. There's been enough on Facebook. I'm sure some of you are aware of what's on the Grammys two nights ago when they celebrated a song called Unholy. And I'm thankful that there's so many Christians who said, that's disgusting, and uh, I'll never watch it again if that's what they're going to do. And I hope not. But if you and your kids have been listening to it all year long in the car, what good does it do not to watch it once more? If there's unholiness in our lives, we need to let God's word pare it away. We need to let it cut away. Can we worship him as holy tonight? I'm going to ask the praise team to come up and lead us to exalt him as holy. Um, and let me encourage you to uh, confess and repent of any unholiness that's a, a part of your life tonight together as we do. Will you stand and we'll sing. We'll sing.